Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Creativity in Music and Music Education podcast. I'm Richard Maxwell, and I'm really happy to be here with you. Uh, this week's episode, we've got some folks that are returning from the CMAS program, Creative Musical Arts and Sciences, as well as some folks that are new to the program, as well as the podcast. It started out this episode, uh, we were talking about the idea of what does it mean when an artist takes a break uh, in their career for whatever the reason might be? Is it good? Is it bad? What are the the you know pitfalls of that kind of thing? What are the advantages of that kind of thing? Um, and we just kind of started there, and eventually we kind of got stuck, well, maybe not stuck, but we certainly got uh, onto the topic of just creativity in general and how our perspective on things like when artists take a break um, might be impacted by how we are creative people ourselves and how our perspective might be different than just, say, uh, the average listener or fan. Uh, not necessarily better or worse, but just different. So anyway, I think it was a pretty cool conversation. I'm really grateful for the students that came by to be part of things, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, you can always find us at ArcadiaCMAS.com. Um, and so I hope you enjoy this week's episode, and here we go. What I thought would be cool is let's just go around the room really quick. we got some folks that are joining us for the first time. Um, I think let's everybody just say your name, what hour you're in, maybe what year in the program, and maybe one... Let's say one musically related interesting fact about yourself, whatever that might be. Uh, okay. Cool? Yeah. All right, who wants to go first? I can go. Okay, we'll okay. just go around. Hi, I'm Carson. This is my first podcast. I'm first year, first hour, a whole lot of firsts here. Um, <laughs> and I've been typecasted as the villain in every single musical I've ever done. Um, Welcome, and I'm. Can we switch seats? <laughs> if he's the villain, I'm just no. saying. I don't know. Personality, <laughs> Fair enough. I'm Chloe Wade. Um, it's my first year in CMAS, and I'm in hour six, and I love Broadway musicals. Cool. My name is Jackson. I'm a junior. This is. I'm in hour three, um, and I'm working on redoing a song. Cool. Hi, I'm Eric. Uh, this is my first year into the program, but I'm a senior. I'm in the fourth hour, um, and I'm just getting into this whole thing, but I've played um, in band and orchestra for middle school and high school. Awesome. Well, um, I'm Bonham. I'm a freshman. I'm in fourth hour, the only freshman in my class. <laughs> and um, I'm working on writing a song and replacing the bass with a sousaphone, because Nick plays sousaphone. Okay. That's um, cool. Okay. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm a, I'm a first year for CNAS and um, first period, first hour, whatever. First. And um, I, I play a lot of instruments. Yay. Yes, you do. <laughs> and actually, to be fair, this week when I said, who's got a song, oh. you bravely went up uh, yeah. and tracked a new tune of your own, and that was really cool. That's not a small thing. Another fun fact, Emma and I were in uh, orchestra class yeah. through all middle school. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's my name? <laughs> I forgot my own name. Where's the cue cards? <laughs> right, low production. Teleprompter. Right. It's got it's teleprompter is slowing down. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm Sequoia. I'm a senior. It's my third year at CMAS. I'm more experienced than everyone here other than Maxwell. <laughs> um, I've also got to yeet on out of here in like 10 minutes. That's okay. I'm glad you're here for a little bit. Um, Give us a musical fact, something we might not know. I like Here It Comes 
Music. <laughs> wow. Okay, fair enough. So, no, thank you guys for, for doing this. Um, you know, we, we relaunched the podcast this year, and I appreciate um, those of you that did this last week and came back, and I really do appreciate those of you that did do it last week, and hopefully we'll keep doing more of these, and it's a way to just kind of talk about some stuff. So this week, um, I thought it'd be kind of fun, um, just a topic, uh, no right or wrong answer, but I thought it would be interesting to just get your perspectives on it. Um, so in class today, I happened to mention that Steve Perry, formerly of Journey, is about to release this new album. I think it's October 5th or 6th or something that's coming out. And I was curious, like, what you, your generation, or just you as individuals, you know, he's had a brilliant career, but he literally basically disappeared completely yeah. for 20, I mean, the guy took a break. So I was wondering, like, what do you think about, maybe not necessarily even specifically him, but just in general, like, when an artist decides to take a deliberate break. I mean, obviously, sometimes for various reasons, they have to take a break. Um, some artists, frankly, especially if they early on, you know, if they hit fame really young or really quickly or things like that, there's all those, they're not really stereotype stories because they really do happen. And so then the person kind of like, you know, goes away for a little bit for reasons. But I think in somebody like Steve Perry's case, or sometimes um, we think of a lot of like classic bands where they just kind of suddenly stop for a little while and then maybe they something happens and they restructure. I'm wondering what you think about that when an artist takes a break. What's good about that? What's not good about it? Anybody have any thoughts on it? Yeah. Um, I think if it's a deliberate, like they just want to take a break, just for music and the fame, I feel like if they want to make more music, it better be bomb. <laughs> if you're taking 20 years to work on music, it better be, be, be it better be, it better be evident. You know? well, right now, to be fair, he's he's released a couple of statements where yeah. he's actually said that wasn't why he he took the break because he said he no longer felt that spark mm. that he had, and he felt he's like he's probably doing this because he needs more money. <laughs> actually, no, no, I, well, I, no, but and that's a re that's actually part of it. Sometimes they br they come back and they start doing like the the classic Redemption. circuit and stuff to to make more money. I don't think that's this case. I know he, a band that actually does that. Sure. Uh, like so what do you well, so what I was to say is just real quick about Perry. So no, he said that the reason why he stopped was he just he was like, I've lost the the urge to do this. If it ever comes back, I'll figure it out. But if it doesn't. I think he said something like, I've already lived the dream beyond most people's expectations anyway. I have nothing to, basically saying, there's no reason for me to be bitter about it. It just is what it is. Yeah. I'm curious though, you just brought up something interesting though. Here we go. Piper Haggerty, please come to the front office. Piper Haggerty, please come to the front office. Right. Okay, so so wait a minute though, but, but so what about that though? You, I think you have a valid point. If somebody disappears for a long time, this is one of the things that's always been a problem throughout history is bands get scared. Artists get very much afraid. Well, okay, we need a break. We're about to like make, make each other completely miserable and all the fighting and everything. But if we stop, we are out of the public spotlight. Dude, Kiss is such a great example of that because like Kiss, instead of just not because uh, they put out Unmasked and Dynasty, and those are like two terrible disco albums, and like Miley's <laughs> favorite Kiss albums. And that was in the era of the of the you know the late seventies, where it was disco and rock, and rock people hated disco, and disco people hated rock. So Kiss was like, what if we write a song that was disco and rock? I That's was called made I Was Made for Loving You. Loving yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So, With Desmond Child, who yeah, is and uh, and Peter Chris writer. didn't pat track on that album, but you know we won't talk about that one. Right. Um, no, but I'm saying, as, <laughs> but as a concept, what about but, that? What about you well, know? no, he got well, you know, for reasons like they they kicked out Peter. Well, I read this all from Paul Stanley's book, so I'm quoting Paul Stanley's uh, book. So basically, what happened was is uh, 
their drummer, the original drummer, Peter Chris, was creating all this drama. And they went out in the press saying that Peter was like, oh, I quit. But really, they fired him because he wouldn't show up to studio sessions. He would never play when he was there. All he did was complain. He would, he would argue with people because they made changed his towels out of his hotel room. And then he would go and destroy it because the maid gave him fresh towels. And he didn't want fresh towels. So, you know, he was just like a little drama queen running around everywhere. Right. So, um... So, you know, they got their drummer, Eric Carr, Rip, he died in the 90s, um, or in the early 90s. So then it was like Kiss. It was they, really sad. Yeah, and um, they kicked Ace Freely because he was too drunk to play half the time. And he would literally just, like, put his guitar down in the middle of a recording session without telling anybody to take his guitar off, unplug everything, walk out, go play cards with friends for money. So, you know, and then that recreated a whole recording thing that they had to go through and deal with. So they kicked them, but they were like, we can't just leave. And then they put out, you know, Unmasked, Dynasty, and The Elder. And some people love those albums. Personally, as a diehard Kiss fan, I do not like those albums. And then they put out Creatures of the Night, and they made no money on that. They had to cancel shows in the U.S. tour at the end because they didn't. They only sold like a hundred tickets to this, you know, arena show. So they, I heard stories about that where they were like, we went out on stage, and there were more people on our crew than in than the there audience. Were in the audience, and yeah. trying to figure out how to. So yeah, that's why it explains why during Lick It Up they used the same stage, same instrument, same drum kit because they didn't have enough money to buy another one. Sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but okay. So, so in that case, and, and I think to be fair, but that's why they kept on going on. They just got new members, fixed uh, sure. new members, fixed the problem, did the whole non makeup thing because people were like, "Kiss no makeup? How does that work?" Right. Like, but they killed it. They killed it. Sure. I mean, they put out Asylum and Hot in the Shade is iffy albums, but. They brought it back in the in ninety uh, one, sure. I think it was, with Revenge, and then they did the reunion tour in ninety six, and, then and it, here we are with Scab Kiss, and they're still killing it. Right. Uh, so, so, but, but, so here's here's the thing. First of all, I think to be fair, like you and you, you said, I mean, to your credit, you acknowledged you got most of your information from reading Paul Stanley's book. Yes. I've read some of it. It's a great book. It's, it's interesting. I, I think even if you don't like Kiss, it's interesting. It's a good been around book that to long. know what. It's like to grow up. But we, but we also do know that there are other sides to that story. I'm not taking well, a side. Well, that's true. Everybody, I, mean, I don't take sides because you, everybody has their you own hear different story. Things. I've, heard, I've heard interviews with Ace Frehley, who now that he's sober, uh-huh. has said, he, he will admit, he's like, yeah, I was out of control. I didn't know what was going on. But even that being said, this was also happening. This was also happening. So, so it gets complicated. Here's my real question for you. You mentioned, and, and for all of you, and you could, again, through Kiss or any other band, you mentioned that they kept going, but the stuff that they were doing for at least a period of that time for a couple was, years. was for you, it's, it's, it wasn't, it's substandard, not it awful, but yeah. not what you it wanted. It wasn't like so, Kiss, like so, you think Kiss, rock and roll, right. stacks of martial amps and fire and okay, smoking so, guitars, and then they come out this disco album. And so like, as a oh. true Kiss fan, which you clearly are, <laughs> Yes. The question relative to, to the topic then would be, should they have said, you know what, we need to stop, we need to regroup, so that when we do continue, it's more in line with our true original music vision, or did they make the right choice? Because like we were just alluding to, when you step out, getting back in is very hard. It's one that a lot of people, and I, I, I believe this uh, That's myself. why Mike Portnoy in Dream Theater, he left in 2010, and then what I read on Blabbermouth was that he wanted to join back in 2012, and Dream Theater said no. Mike Portnoy said that 
that never happened. The guys who from Dream Theater said they do. Mike Mangini, their yeah. new drummer, is like, I didn't even know they were talking to Right, I mean, and, and, and who knows? And Portnoy, to be fair, started getting gigs with, like, everybody under the sun. Dude, oh, hey, go listen to one of his 47 bands it, that he's it, in. Exactly. I'm wearing a shirt from one of them. So so here's <laughs> here's my, here, here's the, but, but you know, back to the idea of taking a break. You know, like, for example, the Beatles, yeah. and I believe this, Everybody tell you, you know, Yoko broke up the Beatles, blah, blah, that's garbage, I'm sorry. I mean, whether you like Yoko yeah, or not, no. it's totally separate. Yeah. They needed to stop. The problem was, is early, I mean, this is, we're talking about early rock and roll. They had seen what had happened in the 50s, where all the 50s classic guys, for a variety of reasons, in a lot of cases, were kind of forced to stop by, because of all the racism and all the other craziness yeah. about social social norms and stuff. Um, so the Beatles, on some, and I, this is just a theory, but I think it's, it's probably very true. They just needed to stop. I wonder if a band like that, you know, we will never know, but if John Lennon had not been assassinated, I think the Beatles would have gotten back together. I really do. I, I think, think they, they just they, needed I to stop. I think they would have too, but they needed that. They that, needed, I mean, can, that you, break from time and yeah. Well, and the constant of it. Life. It's like the Steve, yeah. going back to Steve Perry, he, he acknowledges the just sheer pressure of it all and a lot of people think he's nuts because it's like well you know gee you I have had all your problems yeah. like you have it's, all the money you can get anything you want and why would it be you know why, why would you have anxiety right you're an like idol that. to some tons millions of people right why would you give that up why would you take a break why would you but get can out you, of the public eye can you imagine though like you can't even go like I don't like, like honestly, yeah. well this is a theory but I think Michael Jackson isn't dead. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, now, that's a whole yeah. topic. Yeah. That's but honestly at the yeah. time he was the biggest oh, person sure. yeah. on the planet. Yeah. Even two-year-olds knew who People Michael Jackson People said the same thing was. when Elvis died. Yeah. He's not dead, he's just tired of it all. And on some levels you really do you would well, think, you would think um, about that. I heard that they found some homeless dude with his DNA and everyone thought it was a joke and then they're like, no, that's him. He was in witness protection. He didn't die until like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I heard the same oh thing about Hitler. You never know. And and and, and it makes <laughs> sure. for great stories. Yeah. And Hitler and Elvis are very different. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's, yes. But Hitler command a country. <laughs> well, anyway, but no, but let's, let's, let's go back to where we were. So, so in all seriousness, let, let's try to get back onto the topic, which is really this though. Forgetting specific artists, just back to this concept of if a band or an artist takes a break, you know, maybe let's let's look at it from let's look at you know what are the good things when they take a break? Just in general, what would be a good reason to take a break that's legitimate? Why would why would taking a break well, be like yeah I can support like class? <laughs> no 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 I, yeah. no one can see you're raising your hands that's awesome no just go okay just go just yeah yeah we'll go this start way. with you and we'll go around yeah yeah just go around what's so, a good thing if they take a break a good thing would like obviously tensions would like lot die down within the group I mean if they're constantly touring if they're constantly trying to put out good music and it's just a ton of stress personally I feel if they take a break kind of just lie low and cool their jets, I feel like they can come back, regroup, and make better music because they're not at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some bands like the conflict. I mean, there are some bands that like it, but a lot of bands yeah, talk about bands how, like, it's like, like Van Halen had this problem where it was like they would walk out on stage, they could perform, and then immediately afterwards, it's like everybody's in a separate dressing room, everybody's on a separate bus or a separate plane. Like, they could not be near each other despite the brilliance mm. Of what they could do collectively. Mm -hmm. It's a valid point. 
What else you got? What's a good thing? Well, a good thing would be like when they eventually or if they eventually come back, all the fans get more excited. They want to buy more stuff like merch. And they go on bigger tours. They want to be ready and mm-hmm. like yeah. to yeah. get tickets and it makes more money. Sure. Gives them more money. Okay. Sure. No, absolutely. It, it, it can't. It's absolutely. all about the money. <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be, but now it shouldn't it, be. Well, and nowadays, especially because it's so hard to make money off of selling records. Yeah. It's almost impossible. It's so hard to make money in general, yeah. but unless the, if you're like Elon Musk. Right, right. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> big, some of the huge bands can do it, but most bands, that's why they tour. That's where the money is. He makes money off the fly. He works probably more than anyone on the planet. Well, that's true, but, you know, he's also like one of the smartest people. Yeah, right? I mean, and you, you have to be in the right place at the right time. Something that's changed over the years is it used to be the record companies made their money back on their investment in you through their albums. As streaming started to take over and become more and more of an now issue and more merch. prevalent, now it's the, the record companies, when you get signed, the tours, they actually take pass, a percentage. You know. We had, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but we had an artist visit here a number of years ago, signed to Atlantic Records, and he was coming through town, and I just don't want to badmouth the, 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 the artist, or more importantly, for, to be honest with you, the executive. He had a guy, one of the senior VPs from Atlantic was with him Uh-oh. on tour. And they came in to do a little quick workshop thing, which is awesome. We like to have guest artists come in. And, and it was brilliant. It was fantastic. But I don't think they were quite prepared for what the students in this program, because they thought it was just going to be, oh, the guy comes in, he plays some of his songs. People are go out and they're fanboying and girling over the guy. It's no big deal. CMAS students are like, yeah, so I'm curious about, like, what's the percentage that the record company's taking from this thing and that thing? And what kind of stu- stuff's going on do you have control over when you go into the studio versus what the A&R guy... I mean, they're getting into some pretty heavy depth. I am not kidding you. It was a, it was It got uncomfortable because the artist was not happy about the fact that the record company, while on tour, was taking a percentage of tickets, was taking a percentage of everything uh. to make back the money, and he... You could see his body language change, and he was trying to give sort of like a polite response, and then the guy from the record company stepped in and started to respond to him, and we, they weren't like having like a fight, but it was like very clear there is definitely some tension here because of the changing economics of it. It didn't used to be that way, and now it's like every, and, and I, I mean, to be fair, I can see it from both ends. Yeah. The artist needs to make enough money to be able to continue making art, but the record company and just live yeah. buy a loaf of bread and some money. That's the thing, you know, yeah. I don't know if you guys if you guys have ever researched it, you'll do some of it this year. We're gonna do a project with it just on the business end. When you see bands that are out on tour, I mean sure, it can be a blast and it can be awesome and you get to see a lot of wonderful stuff, but when you look at the money breakdown of what they're taking home Oh yeah, it's some not bands, like some bands a lot. go out on a van tour. We'll be out on the road a hundred days in a hot, stinky van, right. and they every show they make money from is their gas money to get yep. to the next town. But and I'm the even whole thinking point people, of touring is to get their, their name, name out yep. to people. I'm thinking about people that are even on a higher level than that. Oh, I mean, it's true. hard to make money. I mean, you know, you play. Well, that's why you see so many artists like come and go and there's yep. a lot of one hit wonders and it stuff is exactly like that. it's tough what's some other good things though about breaks anybody else got what do you got well i mean it's a break from all the anxiety and trying to appease to a different audience yeah or, or two of the audience that you already have mm-hmm. or i think some of that also doesn't that depend on two on the style like some bands yeah. some, yeah. like if you're a pop star yeah. i think i think yeah good for you and all that attention but you're also sort of stuck in a machine okay. i think bands yeah. like um like radiohead where their fan base seems to get upset if they don't make changes you know what I mean? Like they are expected. You better evolve. You better give us something new and unexpected. Um, 
I, it sort of, I think it depends on where you are. Kiss, I think, like you brought up earlier, Kiss is probably stuck a little bit. They're stuck kind of in this yeah. writing thing. But that's what they have, you know, stockpiled from... Gene Simmons is on his tour right now called The Vault Tour. Mm-hmm. And he went through the Kiss Vault and went through all of these songs that he wrote. And he was finding stuff from before Kiss that he oh, wrote. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And, like, you know, recorded them, put them in the vault and stuff like that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, like, B songs and stuff. Sure. That he B-sides. What do you got? So... I think that sometimes bands, and I might be wrong on this, but like authors, they'll like rebrand themselves. Mm. Okay. Like, they might leave or per se, like an author just like goes by a different name Mm -hmm. in order to get out a piece of literature, art, or music that isn't just tied down by their other works. Mm. Okay. So like, make a music that's good for music, not because, not applying just to whatever prior work that they made. It's why, um... Like, a lot of pop stars go under aliases for writing songs. Like, I know Ed Sheeran, David Guetta, Taylor Swift. They all write under aliases for songs that they like that don't go with their brand. Like, I remember Taylor Swift once helped write an EDM song, and that's not something that you... Would expect. expect. And her name in that case is actually... Skrillex was in a, like a, what was it, like, he was in like a a hard, like a metalcore band in, like, college, Mm -hmm. and then now, you know, he's his DJ now. Oh, yeah, I heard a lot of that, like, two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said it in, like... And it's interesting, too, because it's like, yeah, they have this huge recognizable name, but it'll actually work against them. Yeah. If they attach it to this other project... I mean, no. Dead Mouse. He came out with yeah. a new album recently. Mm-hmm. It's completely different from every True. past work he's yep. ever made. Mm-hmm. It's all like when he was recording it, he had an entire orchestra. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, I need to there was an out. interview where he, with H <laughs> three, oh, cool. where he was explaining. He he wasn't like giving every detail away, when he was explaining partially what the album was about and what to expect. And they were like joking about going on tour, right. and he said it would be too much money because again, there's like 80 people, 200 people within the orchestra, and gear, so mm-hmm. that would be a lot of money. But then, but back to the uh, original thought, he's made com- something almost completely different with his name, sure, incorporating the orchestra and all the new sounds that he's experimenting with, and it's it's. It's like rebranding his entire image. Sure, which is great. I, th- I mean, I'm with you. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What else do we have that's good? Well, that's like um, kind of going off what Jackson said. Like, there's a band called Periphery that I'm really into right now, and they're like a progressive, like, gent band. I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, like, okay. they, I can't really put a genre on them, but they're that's just okay. heavy. Right. And um, their first album is just like really fast. And like the vocals are like really super like weird and they're they're kind of like everything was written instrumentally and we just sent all the tracks to our vocals and said put vocals on this and then the second album they were like the vocalists would come in with songs and then they would write around the vocals and they didn't like that and then you know they did a couple of other albums and then they came out or they did another album that like I forget it's even an album I never really listened to it and then um, and then they have an album a double release called uh, Juggernaut Alpha and Juggernaut Omega. And that those weren't necessarily different as stylistic and writing style. It's still, you know, periphery, like, oh, that's like periphery. That's still their heavy three guitars with layers and crazy drum parts. And, you know, our bass players, our engineer, like that was the band I was talking about. Um, So, um, yeah, they came out with that. But the album itself, musically, is so much more different than their first two albums. It's 
you know, a lot slower. They obviously put a lot more thought into it. And then they put out Periphery 3 um, in 2016, I want to say it okay. came out. And um, that album was like a mixture of Juggernaut, if the Juggernaut albums and the first album, because it still has all of this weird backing stuff and like kind of sure. like a storyline for every song instead of throughout the albums. But they experimented a lot more with like synthesizers under the guitar part. And they're like, we never noticed this, but if we play a synthesizer underneath the guitar part, it adds a lot more to the guitar. Sure. And then, you know, they figured out like a way to program their entire show off in a computer to so they can have that because they can't just have somebody in and playing this insane synthesizer part that they wrote in MIDI. Right, you know right, what right, I mean? Right, right. So, the, you know, they... So a chance to evolve, basically. But, but, they're, but if you listen to their first album and listen to P4, you'd be like, what are they doing? Like, why, how did this happen? But then if you listen to... Periphery 1, Periphery 2, Clear, and then the Juggernaut albums, and then Periphery 4, you go, you can see where they knew there was error and where they knew there was something good. And Periphery 4 is kind of a wrap-up of all their albums, and they're actually in the studio right now making Periphery 5. That's coming out next year. I cannot wait to hear that. It's going to be so cool. But yeah, you can hear in Periphery 4, if you listen to all the albums in Periphery 4, you're like... I understand why it's like this. Sure. Because well, I understand it's but, this element and then this element. You can. It's kind of all of their trial and errors. On um, Periphery 4, in my opinion, there's no bad song on Periphery 4. I mean, for Periphery. Like, sure. some people are like, that sucks, but, you know. Right, no, I got you. I got you. No, <laughs> yeah. but it's also a chance to evolve, which is good. Um, some bands don't get to take that advantage, though, as part of the problem, or artists. Yeah, some people just don't. What do you got? Um, I, I said, like... Bands have more of a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they get to cool down and less likely to break apart. Sure. And stuff. So, you know, absence yeah. makes the heart grow fonder is the statement, is yes. the saying a lot of times, and there's something to be said exactly. for that. Well, there's a band called uh, Slipknot does, like, they did that. Their first album, <laughs> sorry, but their first album, like, they finished touring, then they did their second album. Right. And then they're like, oh, crap, we have to make this album. And no, then yeah. now they're, like, giving a lot more time. <laughs> That's true. But they also, oh, to be fine. fair, Slipknot also had a major tragedy happen. Their bass well, player died. Well, that's true, so. but I'm not talking about that. No, I'm just saying that, that out, create other issues. But that's not where their break was. So, Chloe, what do you got? And I got one last quick question for you because I'm curious about one last thing, and then we'll wrap up. So I've stayed here 20 minutes longer than I was supposed to. That's okay. It's all good. Yay. What do you think? What's a good thing about when a band takes a break? So I was thinking, like... Just like artists in general, whether it's a band or a single artist, it's kind of like sometimes they take breaks because they just lose their spark for songwriting and they just they can't write good songs. And it's kind of like they need to find themselves or something like that. That's reasonable. Spiritual journey. Yeah. Spiritual. So let me ask you. Let That's me ask you guys a quick. Let me ask you a wrap up. Helps. <laughs> let me ask you a wrap up question. And I and I think maybe you know another week we'll talk about maybe what are the bad things about when they take a break. But just just for the sake of time. But I am curious about something because. There was a common thread that seemed to go through all of your conversation that I noticed, which is the idea that an artist or a band might take a break and then evolve or their style or their music might change in a way and bring in new elements or something that, that, is, that is unexpected. Here's my question to you. Is your optimism, let's say, about that towards artists in general? But you are all creative people. Is your perspective, yeah, you're shaking your head, but you are. (laughs) You are. And I mean this very sincerely. Think about the general demographic of people your age who are, or just people in general. Most people just listen. They don't listen necessarily and go, oh, 
that's really cool. I want to try and do that with my own stuff that I'm creating. So my question is, is your appreciation for the evolution and the change impacted? And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know, but do you think that could be part of it? Like if this was just, you know, a group of, forgive me, like just regular high school students who right. weren't in this program that's rooted We're in- normal. No, but well, I didn't mean it. No, I don't mean it that way at all. I just mean, you know, look, you're all in this program because at the C stands for creative for a reason. Yeah. I am wondering if your opinion on these things is somewhat, and in a, I think if it is in an awesome way, but is it skewed? Is the prism that you look through at these things affected by that? Whereas somebody who doesn't ever really have any interest in even attempting to create something might be like, you know what? No, I like what I like. Stop changing it. Don't move on. Does that, does that affect you at all? You oh, think? Totally. Yes, because, yeah. um, lost my train of thought, but like, <laughs> Because we understand the process of creating things and how long it can take and how stressful it can be, we kind of understand more of what the artist can be going through and we don't just like want them to spew music okay. out. So like us. you can almost respect like if they release something you're like that didn't quite work as well but you know it's like a bigger picture of their trying new things. You can almost respect the failure in a way. Yeah. Is that what you, okay, that's I mean, fair. Sure, they'll we'll be disappointed if it's not exactly up to our expectations for mm -hmm. them being a, 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 a Ah, away for a long time. Sure. But we kind of have to, like, look at that as, like, oh, they were gone for a while. They might have something family-related, family stress-related, something right. happened. Um, so you have a perspective you, is what you're saying. You have a little bit of perspective. Okay. You don't have, like, a full look on into what right. happened to right. them personally. Sure. But you can kind of piece together and then respect the fact that they were trying. Yeah. Yeah. Something That's why interviews are so important. To appease, yeah. yeah. The, uh, appease the audience. Sure. Or if they're trying to deliberately not to. Yes. Oh, hey, it's yeah. any last, any last. Thank you for being part of this. Thank we're gonna wrap up really quickly. Does anybody have any last thoughts on this idea of just perspective of yeah. creativity, and then we'll okay. we'll close it out. What do you got? It's I really like the idea of evolution in an artist. I mean, I know some people might not be up for it because it's like. I fell in love with this artist for this reason. I really liked this sound. It's why I wanted to follow this artist, you know, get mm -hmm. to know their brand and whatever. And if they come and reinvent, I'm going to feel, oh my gosh, my entire perspective has just been flipped. Their style has been flipped. I don't know how to react to this. And so... Right, right. I well, it's like, scary, too. Yeah. Like, you feel like you invested. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, too, is, is yeah. you associate those original memories with a certain, like, time of your life. And so it's almost like it's being disrespectful to, like, <laughs> those memories. Like, <laughs> you're destroying my childhood. Well, then you'll you always, then you'll always remember, oh, that band made that sucky song. Uh, well, yeah, that's true, You're too. disrespecting yeah, the true. memories of a person you've never met. So yes. that makes you a bad person. Well, I'm not, yeah, no, I, yeah. Well, and yeah. then there's always a thing, like, you know, Avenged Sevenfold's album, The Stage, like, the first time I listened to it, I was like, why? Why did they make this? There's, like, nothing to it. And then, you know, recently, you know, like, what was it, two years later since, or two years since it's come out, and now I listen to it, I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad. Like, right. well, it, I, your perspective is acquired taste. Yeah. Sure, you exactly. Know, get well, that's like that's like bands like Meshuggah. I cannot listen to Meshuggah because I was like, I heard one song. I was like, how'd they do this for eight minutes of just straight double bass and right, trouble right. guitar picking? And then, uh, and then, you know, two albums later, I lose the function to open a door, and I'm like, the whole thing was the same. And it, it, it kind of just got bored, and that's why I was like, okay, some of it's acquired taste. Some of it's also looking back in history. I'll, I'll leave you guys with this because I think it actually sums it up really well. Um, in this one particular case. So I'm paraphrasing, Phil Collins of Genesis mm -hmm. has this very funny 
comment in an interview when they were going back on tour and he's like people are always like you know why don't you guys go back and do they have this very famous album called The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway it's a it's a monumentally important album historically and he's like you know why don't you guys reunite with Peter Gabriel and you go back out and you do it and it's the greatest album you've ever done and he's like the greatest album we've ever done he's like and again I'm paraphrasing but he basically says that's nice of you to say where were you in the audience when we released it the first time and nobody was showing up <laughs> You know what I mean? There's something about that statement. He's not being mean. He's not being a jerk. I love Phil Collins. But I do think there's something to be said that we, uh, the acquired taste part, your perspectives and all that other stuff. We are going to keep exploring more of this stuff. I appreciate you guys all being here for this next podcast. Yeah. Or this, this podcast. Woo. We're going to do more of them in the future. Thank you for coming in. And thanks for being in the program and all the fun stuff. And Right now, we're two days out from a stadium show. Yeah. Woo. Oh, my God. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> gonna be great have a great afternoon guys all right so there we have another episode of the creativity and music and music education podcast hope you enjoyed uh what you heard this week we'll have another one up next week you can always find us on itunes or anywhere else that you might uh, listen to podcasts at you can find us at arcadiacmas.com if you want to know more about the music program and you can find me at richardmaxwell.net thanks again for joining us this week and we will see you again next time bye-bye